0: Welcome to the Not Old Better Show. I'm Paul Vogelzang, and as part of our Smithsonian Associates Art of Living interview series, our guest today is Dr. Brian Rose. Dr. Brian Rose is a popular return guest on the program, and Dr. Brian Rose will be presenting at the Smithsonian Associates Program June 9, 2021, and the title of Dr. Rose's Zoom presentation is How Disney Conquered the Entertainment Universe. Over the last nine decades, the Walt Disney Company has transformed every facet of the entertainment business. Disney pioneered the creation of feature-length cartoons with Snow White, Bambi, and Pinocchio. The wonderful world of Disney and the Mickey Mouse Club captured a huge television viewership, including me, and created Disney fans for life, including me. Theme parks that span the globe and Broadway musicals based on Disney films pack in crowds. Disney is the owner of the greatest collection of franchise movies from Star Wars to Toy Story to the Avengers under the control of a single studio in Hollywood history. And now the new streaming service Disney Plus is challenging Netflix and other established providers. What are the secrets behind the development of this still growing powerhouse? Dr. Brian Rose, a professor emeritus at Fordham University who has written several books on television history, tells us the remarkable story of creativity and media growth as he answers our questions about how the Walt Disney Company evolved from a small cartoon studio in 1923 to the most powerful force in worldwide entertainment universe today. Please welcome to the Not Old Better show via internet phone, Dr. Brian Rose. Brian Rose, welcome back to the program.
1: It's my pleasure, Paul.
0: You know, it's a pleasure to talk to you. I enjoy talking to you. You, of course, recently talked to us about moviegoing. That was a fan favorite. You've got some really wonderful things to say about a subject that... I know my audience is going to have uh, an equal amount of passion, same amount that I have, and that's Disney. So let's just jump in here. You're going to talk at the Smithsonian Associates coming up here. But why don't you tell us this remarkable story of Disney, the growth, the innovation, their yeah, excellent content. Yeah, go, go jump right in, please.
1: It, it's When you talk about Disney, you are basically talking about not only the entertainment industry. You're talking really about – the future of entertainment of, of how technological and aesthetic innovations all go hand in hand. And that really started almost from the beginning, right from the start. Once Walt left Kansas city where he was a fledgling animator and came out to Hollywood in the early 1920s, he was always eager to innovate and to experiment, uh, setting up the small Walt Disney, uh, Uh, animation studio with his brother and an animator named Ub Iwerks, who was really responsible for what Mickey Mouse would come to look like. Walt was kind of the visionary of the company, always experimenting with with new ideas and particularly with new technology. Uh, The studio introduced Ah, uh, cell animation, live action with animation, the first post-produced sound cartoon. I mean, the the list could go on, but I think some of the uh, signature things that need to be uh, at least highlighted. Walt was so concerned with music and his animation. He was the first one to hire a professional composer. To improve the music some of your uh, listeners may remember the silly symphonies well that was because he hired a guy named Carl Stalling who later moved over to Warner Brothers he was the first one to use three color technicolor but I think what's also important is Walt always emphasized story particularly emotional stories he was the first animator who created a special story department in addition to animation, in order to highlight those kind of stories that are going to resonate not only with the audience then, but really into the future. And I'll just conclude this by noting Disney and and the company was the first to recognize that th- there is a future in re-releasing <laughs> your products <laughs> in a timely manner. They recognize that there's a generation, and every new generation that comes about, which was usually, in Disney's mind, about every seven years meant they could re-release their films, and they could re-release them in every new technological format, whether it was VHS, whether it was DVD, and now, of course, in its grand conclusion, on Disney+. Plus.
0: hmm well, it's a company that's been around for 9 decades, so they just have a vault, a library yes. that's just massive.
1: They're coming close to a century.
0: Good gosh. Phenomenal. Would you say, you know, if we could break it down in terms of their their story, is it a is it just this absolutely excellent business model or is it is their excellence related to the quality of their content?
1: or both it's it's really uh, a dual story Mm -hmm. and uh walt kind of um left the animation uh to a group of senior animators by the late 1940s his heart his soul really became disneyland and that took over everything for him not only planning the first amusement park but also a grand design which he was hoping to realize in Florida Epcot stands for, and let me get this straight environmental prototype community of tomorrow. And what he was hoping to do was literally to build, uh, his own universe complete with a workforce that would live there. Cars would all circulate underneath. Uh, there would be a monorail uniting things and, uh, it was going to be the perfect world. Uh, Unfortunately, he didn't live to have it realized, and what Roy Disney, his brother did, who succeeded him as head of the company, uh, what Roy Disney did was essentially turn Epcot into kind of an amusement park. But that was always Walt's goal from from Disneyland onwards is to create something that was completely at his command.
0: And his universe was such that he even lived on the grounds of Anaheim Disney, the the original Disneyland. He had a had a small apartment. He just felt so yes, so much a part and of he, it.
1: and his greatest his his most uh, favorite activity was riding on the trains. Hmm. He was a train fanatic. Hmm. At his home, he built a miniature train. And that, of course, gave him the idea of what would encircle Disneyland and then be transformed into the monorail and so forth. He he was a a, he was certainly a guy with a tremendous vision and also, I think, rather a hard uh, a hard boss to work for because he didn't like uh, anything that would uh, hamper the way he wanted his vision realized.
0: And now they've marched uh, into the world of Broadway, they really have succeeded in terms of longevity.
1: Yes, and and I think uh, we have to look at the fact that Disney has been led by some visionary uh, CEOs. Michael Eisner basically transformed a company that was really going through some problems in the decades after, <clears throat> excuse me, after Disney's death, and took them into a whole new form of animation when he brought on. Um, Excuse me for a minute there. When he brought on Michael Isaac, uh excuse me what is his I've gotten I've forgotten his name but uh he brought on a, a man to head the animation studio and to transform them into in for pictures like Aladdin and The Lion King. Mm-hmm. And uh mm-hmm. then the transformation is that Katzenberg. Yes, I'm sorry. Jeffrey Katzenberg. Jeffrey
0: Katzenberg. Mhm. Uh,
1: then the transformation to uh to broadway and the and then the continuing reinventions to take old animation and transform them into live action so that i think it was two years ago the live action version of lion king became the most profitable film disney had ever released and who knows what what the next stage will be maybe uh holographic versions of Mm. disney cartoons Mm -hmm. they're always in a sense going back to the treasure chest and figuring out new configurations Mm
0: -hmm. well you refer to disney plus and there are just a bunch of these pluses out there there's paramount plus we've got netflix amazon prime of course the streaming services have have really prospered during covid
1: disney plus is really uh Bob Iger's uh, mm. masterpiece. I mean, okay. Iger took the co- the company into expansion, brought ma- bought Marvel Studios, got the Star Wars films, brought Pixar in. But it was his vision to compete with Netflix. And let's face it, for Disney, a lot of their material was ending up on Netflix, and uh, they saw how Netflix was utilizing Disney content to you know, create their own empire. So the vision was, let's create an alternative. And of course, they were sitting on the greatest content for the family uh, audience that had ever been devised. So in November 2019, Disney Plus launched, and it was a massive, a massive success right from the start, helped by the fact that all Verizon customers (laughs) got a free year's content. But it was the pandemic that has really transformed Disney Plus into, uh, a, com- into a, a company now which has half the audience of Netflix in one year uh, to what uh, to a, a figure that Netflix took 10 years to get to, something like 100 million subscribers. Good gosh.
0: That is just a powerhouse and still growing.
1: Yes. And as you note, there certainly are new uh, chapters in the plus uh, streaming universe. Mm -hmm. But let's face it, they are not sitting on the content that Disney is not only all of the Disney cartoons, whether shorts or feature length, but also all the Marvel movies, all of the Star Wars movies, all of the Pixar movies and for families. Uh, you have to subscribe to Disney+. Plus. There is uh, no ifs, ands, or buts about it. And programs like Mandalorian are
0: new versions, so the content just keeps rolling right along.
1: Yes. Uh, Disney just had a recent conference there announcing 12 more spinoffs of Star Wars, like the Mandalorians. So it is a company that truly knows that content is king. And if you have all the content, I mean, one of Bob Iger's uh, recognitions was franchise is the name of the game. So acquire as many franchise properties as you can. That's why he went after the Marvel films. That's why he went after Star Wars. That's why he went after Pixar. He's got them all. And if I'm not mistaken, it is something like 65 percent of the box office is now Disney. Good. Seven gosh. out of the top. 10 most profitable films of all time are Disney. And let's not forget Disney also acquired 20th century Fox again for more content. Uh,
0: for the Disney universe. We are with Dr. Brian Rose. Dr. Rose is a professor emeritus at Fordham University. Dr. Rose has written several books on television history. We're talking Disney today. In particular, Dr. Rose's presentation coming up June 9th is titled How Disney Conquered the Entertainment Universe. So, Dr. Brian Rose, tell us, give some recognition here, just like Iger, and, and maybe tell us about Disney's biggest contribution to entertainment. Was it the innovation, the animation, computerization, the technology?
1: It's a big story, and yes, certainly technology has a lot to do with it, mm-hmm. certainly the power of merchandising. I mean, Disney formed his own record company, mm-hmm. Disneyland Records, uh, to kind of capitalize on the success of uh, The Ballad of Davy Crockett, a show many of our audience, I'm sure, <laughs> can remember. Absolutely. Sold 10 Absolutely. million. Which brings us also to an interesting story about Disney and television. Uh, when Disney needed funding for the construction of Disneyland, he needed a lot of money ABC television network was a struggling network, very, very way down uh, compared to NBC and CBS. They were looking for content and uh, Disney needed money. And so they loaned Disney a large sum of money in return. They got the rights to two Disney programs. Uh, the first was Disneyland, which essentially was a one hour primetime commercial for the construction of disneyland the opening of disneyland and the continuation of disneyland and a program i think many of us remember we grew up on it which was on abc five days a week in the afternoon which was the mickey mouse <laughs> club it began in 1955 uh went through 19 uh 50 went 55 through 59 and then uh, a lot of uh Younger members of the audience may remember when it was recreated on Mm -hmm. the Disney Channel Mm -hmm. in 1989 and turned out to be the greatest treasure chest for new talent, I think, that any program uh, can brag about. Christina Aguilera, Mm -hmm. Britney Spears, Ryan Gosling, and I think I'm leaving out four or five others all got their start on the revamped Mickey Mouse Club.
0: That was a great program. The Davy Crockett TV show. I I can probably sing. I won't, but I can probably (laughs) remember some of those lyrics, Brian Rose. It's a memorable, uh, just a a huge library of programs that – are are special and they're memorable for a lot of these reasons they could tap into something they and they still do tap into something in us that we talk about that we want to see more of that we just enjoy sharing with our families really a very special company too
1: and let's we we have to note that a lot since disney was very much a company of its time some of its content has become uh let's say Sensitive. Mm -hmm. And Disney has recognized that right now. If you go on Disney Plus and you want to watch Peter Pan, Dumbo, The Swiss Family Robinson, Lady and the Tramp, The Jungle Book, Aladdin, and The Aristocats, you are going to get a 12 second content disclaimer about the racially insensitive scenes which are Mm -hmm. in all of those films. And this extends even to the amusement park. Uh, I don't know how many of you have taken the Pirates of Caribbean ride. There Mm -hmm. was an auction, the wench auction, that has since been removed. The Space Mountain Flume ride had a certain uh, narrative uh, section based on Disney's very controversial Song of the South, an animated Mm -hmm. live action film based on the Uncle Remus stories, Mm -hmm. which is no longer available for viewing anywhere.
0: They really paid a a price for that, for that film. Uh, Yes, yes. And so they they seem to be doing the right things, though, with regard to inclusion and diversity.
1: Oh, no question Mm -hmm. about it. Disney is always kind of up uh, right out there in terms of trying to please as many segments of the public as they can. And uh, though they, like most companies, were very hard hit during the pandemic, 32,000 jobs were cut as a result of the pandemic. The company lost $1.4 billion. And it's only now that they've reopened the Anaheim Park, uh, the reopened the Florida Park a bit earlier, but it's going to take time. It's going to take time for them to get back into the position that they were, which again is why their newest president, Bob Chapik, uh, has said that the future of the company mm. is Disney Plus. Well,
0: Dr. Brian Rose has been our guest today. Uh, one final question for you, Dr. Rose, I guess we'll, let's go back a, a few years and and maybe maybe pull from, from your own recollection and your own happy memories what what's your favorite disney character
1: boy that is a tough question i i mean i'm going back and i have a feeling this might be true for most members of your audience mm-hmm. to some mm-hmm. of our earliest experiences with mm-hmm. disney and that's something that needs to be underscored as well think about it for how many generations are disney cartoons the first movies that most of us can remember.
0: Oh yeah, most definitely. And so
1: I'd say that it's those childhood films.
0: Mm-hmm. How many
1: of us were had our first emotional uh, devastation watching Bambi's mother oh, right. die in that uh, right. forest? Film. Right. So it it would t- it would be to me all those early films that I saw Dumbo, Lady and the Tramp, uh, and Bambi mm-hmm. uh, that I think have the most resonance. <laughs> of course, several generations later. It's the Katzenberg animated Mm -hmm. films that have so much resonance Mm -hmm. for people. Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, and of course, The Lion King.
0: Yeah, I agree with you about some of those early films. I will remember and never forget some of the music from Sorcerer's Apprentice. We probably watched that Ah. a zillion times in our house. And the music was, you know, Fantasia, that was just fantastic.
1: Who would guess that you would take Stravinsky's The Rites of Spring <laughs> and turn it into a cartoon? Now, nobody knows what Stravinsky thought of the final product, but we do know that he was quite happy with the check that Disney presented to him.
0: <laughs> Disney has done some great things. What a pleasure it's been to talk to you, too, Brian. You're just doing great things as well, and we appreciate your time. We would love to have you back in a movie going episode. Great. All right. Dr. Brian Rose, our guest today. Thanks so much for your generous time, Brian Rose.
1: My pleasure, Paul.
0: My thanks to Dr. Brian Rose, who will be presenting at the Smithsonian Associates Program coming up here on June 9th, 2021. You can find out more information about Dr. Rose's presentation, including tickets and other details on our website. The title of Dr. Rose's Zoom presentation is How Disney Conquered the Entertainment Universe. Of course, more details about Smithsonian Associates are also available today in the show notes. My thanks to the Smithsonian Associates team for all they do to support the show. My thanks to you, my wonderful Not Old Better Show audience. Please be safe, practice smart social distancing, get the vaccine, and talk about better. The Not Old Better Show. Thanks, everybody.